afraid of the, of the angel speaking to Mary, to Joseph. How many times actually throughout scriptures do we get the, the, the call, do not be afraid? Um, anybody got any fears? Okay, uh, fears that stop you doing something. Yeah, anybody brave enough to share what they might be? Failure. So fear of failure. Okay, so that, that can be quite far-reaching. Okay. It's public speaking. Okay. Sally Ann. Fear of what the future holds. Okay. Snakes, yep, I'm with you on snakes, rats, anything creepy crawly, I just don't like. I mean, if a rat jumped out at me, I would squeal and run. Um, uh, yeah, I would. Uh, that actually happened, not to me, but to Rachel, who managed it really well. <laughs> Sarah, what are you afraid of? Spiders, yes. Hate spiders. Yes. Yeah, yeah, housework. Okay, so there's, there's fears that, that, that will inhibit us uh, from experiencing sometimes the fullness of the opportunities before us because of what we don't know or what we don't, we're uncertain of. Um, my, my fear is of, of riding a motorbike. Um, not because I'm afraid of the motorbike, but I'm afraid of my wife. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now, there are, there are some fears, though, that actually... If we, if we sit down and we understand that, that there, there, sometimes there are dreams that we wish that we could just step into, that we could pursue, but the fear, the fear stops us. And sometimes that fear stops us from fulfilling things that God has actually purposed us to do and given us an ability to do and a gift to do. And so how do we break through some of those, those fears? When, we hit, when the words of the angel landed with Mary, fear not, what can we learn? And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. Just some stuff that I think will be quite helpful for us as we navigate this new season. Um, because uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But have you ever thought, like, why is it uh, that some people seem to live life to the full? Have you ever looked at somebody and gone, they just seem like they're living their best life? Have you ever done that? Like they, they seem uninhibited by any fear or anything. They're just kind of living it all out there. Um, what is it, do you think, that stop, separates those, those people that seem to be living that? Now, that's always the highlight reel, isn't it? There's always a backstory. There's always some stuff that's going on behind that you, we don't see or understand. But what is it? What is it that marks somebody out that break, about breaking into some new ground? Well, I think it's, it's they've, they've been able to master something of the fear that sets before them. They've been able to go, actually, this might go really wrong, but what if it goes really right? What actually, if stepping out of this means that we step into something that we couldn't have done had we not broken through the fear? And actually, was it, was it um, we were talking about this in our uh, missional household a couple of weeks back. Who, who invented the light bulb? Was it um, Edison? Now, did he have like 10,000 attempts or something at trying to get the light bulb to work? Could you imagine if after five, he'd gone, oh, no, I can't be bothered anymore. Like, what would have happened? Like, so 10,000 go. Every opportunity, every failure he'd used as a learning experience to go, okay, let's go again. There's something about the persistence. And so I'm not going to let the fear of, of failure, the fear of not being able to do this, the, any other, because I've got a goal in mind. And it came out of a sense of purpose, I think. Like, he, he must have come to this real life, actually, this is such a driving force, let's get it done. And I think when we have this sense of call, this sense of identity, 
And I think it helps us overcome some of those fears because we recognize who we are. And I think, I think the text this morning will help us to kind of discover some of that. But the thing is, there's lots of things that we cannot control. I don't know about you, but I, the, the, the older I get, and I'm, well, am I now 45, so I'm like midlife. Um, I'm avoiding midlife crisis. But midlife, the re- realization is that I, I can control very little. There are some things that are outside of my control. It doesn't matter what I do, what I say, what I think. It, ju- it just is what it is. But it's not the things that are outside of our control that we need to worry about so much. It's the things that are within our control and what we decide to do about them. Because so it can allow the circumstances to dictate our, the decisions that we make. And actually, I think then this is ultimately about a mindset that we have. And we talked about some of that last, in the last few weeks about a mindset. And I, I was listening to a, 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 an interview this week with a guy called Erwin McManus. And he said this, he said, whatever you fear establishes the limits to your freedom. Whatever you fear establishes the limits to your freedom. And I'm mulling that over, and I keep mulling that over, because actually I think it's quite a powerful, I think it's a powerful quote. Like, this is a, I don't have time to tell you his story, but look up Erwin McManus, a guy that has overcome great odds in order to fulfill that which he's, he felt God destined him, called him, and purposed him for. Um, but the, 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 whatever you fear establishes the limits to your freedom. Now, Nigel, you know, you said earlier about your, one of the fears that you have about public speaking. Um, Believe it or not, that was actually my, one of my greatest fears. Um, uh, and I, I used to hate the thought of standing up in front of people because what if, what if I say something stupid? Now, if you were to go back and listen to some of the sermons that I've preached in the last 20 years, you'll realize that I've, I've fulfilled some of that. I've said some stupid things. Uh, thank you, Sarah. <laughs> um, I just love it. And that's only eight years. <laughs> so there's a whole catalogue of stupid things that I've said over the years. But what, what if? What if I, I, I hadn't pursued what I felt God called me into? Then you'd have been listening to somebody else this morning. And you'd have been going, well, maybe that would have been a good thing. But we get, but we get the sense of which our fears can limit. Now, just because... Public speaking doesn't mean to say you're going to be called as a pastor. But maybe there's something that actually God wants to work in to go, Nigel, actually there's some more that you can experience as we begin to break through some of that. Um, my, my first senior, uh, pastor, well, my senior pastor out of college, um, he would tell the story of when he was growing up, he had a speech impediment. Um, and you could sometimes tell in his speech, but he, he sensed the call of God and began to break through some of that some of the fears of failure. Now, I'm not picking on these, but these are the things that are real in life. These are the very, they're very real. So it's not to diminish them. But actually, I think God, in his call and his grace, wants us to experience more of who he's called us to be and purposed us to be. Um, because I think that's where the greatest freedom lies. It's when we pursue who he's called us to be, not who he's called anybody else to be. You can't live my life. I can't live your life. You wouldn't want my life. I don't want yours. You wouldn't, want to, you wouldn't want some of the things that we've had to endure. I don't want some of the things that you've had to endure. This is the thing that makes us unique about the unfolding purposes of God. He's crafted us and made us who we are to live out of who we are. 
because of who he's purposed us to be. Are you with me so far? Yeah, so Zechariah priest, the, the angel Gabriel in, appeared in the temple, and then to Mary, just a poor girl from, from Naz, uh, Nazareth, um, who actually had nothing. No real status, but the angel appeared to her in, in the ordinary. Um, so what we, what we kind of, the big picture is that there's one story. There's one story that God is working out, his purposes, his rescue plan. And there's two elements to the story as we see it. There's this, the cosmic, the spiritual, the supernatural. Like, wouldn't the, the angel Gabriel standing before people? Like, I've got to be honest, if the angel Gabriel couldn't, could, came and stood before me, I would, um, I, I would be a little bit afraid as well. I would be in trembling. I would be like, what on earth is going on? I think I'd probably fall down. I think, uh, well, I don't know, some other things going on as well at that moment. Because this is such, such is the presence, an encounter that is extraordinary. Because we don't, we don't often get invited into that world, do we now? But it is real. There is the cosmic, the unseen realm in which the, the heavenly hosts got God's command. And then we have humanity. So we get very ordinary people. People like Zechariah who actually made, went, after having prayed for a child for so long, has a, an encounter with Gabriel who says, this is going to happen, Zechariah. No, I don't believe it. Why? Because he'd lived with the hope for so long. He could, dare he believe it because such, such was the longing. Such was the longing for it. He couldn't bring himself to believe it. And then you have Mary minding her own business, going about her ordinary day. We don't know how old Mary was at this point, but in culture, they, they, could have been, they were able to be married from the age of 12. Right? So we don't know. Mary, Mary could have been 12 and upwards, 12 to, 12 to 16 maybe, that sort of age, betrothed. So the year previous, she'd have been, there would have been a, a, an agreement made between families, betrothed to Joseph, that was it, the mar- then, then the wedding would come a year later. So she was in that period of time. It wasn't like, our, it was like this commitment, it's different. There's, some, there's something of which there is, it, but the level of which you've entered into is we are, this is it now, we are, we are in it. All right, so there's the stuff that within that, the, that within that culture going on in this moment. But Mary is just ordinary. She didn't ask for it. Zechariah, asking for it, desiring it, longing for it. Mary minding her own business. And and Gabriel comes and stands before her. All right, so. The responses are really interesting because Zechariah think out of the, the disappointment of the years of it not happening, I think I can feel, I can feel his pain. And I can feel his like, oh, is this really going to happen? I can understand. I don't know about anybody else, but that hope deferred makes the, the heart sick. Understand it. And God in his grace mutes him and there's some miraculous things that go on and Elizabeth falls pregnant in her old age and John the Baptist is born. Significant figure, closing the end of the Old Testament prophet type. And Mary wasn't asking for it, wasn't desiring it, and yet God chose her and appointed her to be a 
part of his unfolding plan. So God chooses to use humans in the outworking of his rescue plan. He calls us to participate with, with him in his work. And so what, I guess the question I want to ask is what's God deposited in your heart that you would long to do for him? Actually, what's the gifting, what's the call, what's the the beckoning of the Spirit to participate with him in his work? And if he was to pinpoint it today and say, I want you, this is what I'm calling you to do, what would would your response be the Zechariah? I've longed for this for so long, Lord. Or would it be the Mary? I am your servant. The posture of the heart is really important, I think, in us stepping into the things that God has called us to do. I think that's where it comes down to. It's not our ability. Because on record, Zechariah had, it, had, the, had the credentials. Mary had no credentials. So the, the king, in the kingdom economy, he's not, God is not looking for the perfect candidate who has all the degree, degree stacked up, the right creden, color credential card. Um, it, it doesn't, he's not bothered about that. He's simply looking at heart that is willing to say, here I am, I'm your servant, Lord. Use me. So there's a posture of a heart. And what does that look like? Well, what are the six necessary conditions of the heart? I've, I, I think I've, I've seen from this passage in Scripture. And I'm going to try and do it in the next five minutes. Okay? And if you want to know more, you can give me a call this week and I can preach to you. My heart content uh, the rest of the sermon. But it's this. first thing is... Mary was devoted. It was a heart of devotion. At the, at the, at the outset, she was a, a, a young girl who was devoted to God. And actually, the, so it uses the word virgin twice in, in, in one verse. And uh, carrying with this sense that she had been set aside for her husband to be the betrothed. The use of the word virgin carries with it this sense of purity, this, this sense of given to no other. She was a woman of integrity. So we can't, we can't afford to miss these because I think it's really important because the start of it actually is, is not, it, our devotion to God is in response to his devotion to us. Okay? So it's not through our devotion we're going to get God to, to somehow be pleased with us or to use us. Our devotion is in response to his devotion to us. His devotion was to see the, the rescue plan for humanity instituted through the sending of Jesus. The reason it was a virgin birth is because it was, Jesus was and is unique. Son of God, son of man. Jesus is, is, is significantly special and unique in the history of mankind. And so through God's plan, he's, he's inviting us to be a part of it. And so our devotion is a response to his devotion to us. But Mary was devoted, set aside for God. And her response was one of servanthood. I'm here to serve you wherever, whenever, and whatever you ask. All right, so we, we did, um, John did that in, uh, earlier about putting some, uh, putting your names down just to contribute into the life of the church. Now, let me tell you, and this will hopefully be a little bit of a weight lifted off, the service of, of, uh, to God and his purposes is way beyond what happens in the gathered space. All right, this, it's not, this is not simply about, oh, yeah, I can get on the T-rotor and I've done my bit. 
Because you're all thinking about the tea rowing going, oh Lord, help us. Or the kids, or whatever it is. That, that, that's part and parcel, actually, of who we are as God's people, to serve the, the people of God, but also the mission of God. The heart, posture of the heart is, God, I'm part, I get to partner with you in your work. So, Anthony sat around the table having a cup of tea with Matt. The conversations at work and wherever it might be is partnering with God in his mission. Heart of devotion. So first, that's the first, I think, necessary. The second thing is this, uh, where he, the angel says, highly favored, found favor. Indicative of God's grace, right? God's sovereignty, his choice. Mary didn't choose it. You don't choose it. God appoints. And God calls and God gifts and God graces and God equips for that which he has called the person that you and I to do. So we're graced for this. Each and every single one of us have been given a grace. Mary was graced for this. And so because she was graced for it, she was able to accept it. And she was then able to carry it because she'd been graced for it. Whatever God has called you to do, he's graced you to do and therefore will equip you to do it, to carry it, to fulfill it. Because it's all grace anyway. All that we have is an act and a gift of grace. So you are chosen for a task. So John 15, 19, we talked about that last week, I think, or a couple of weeks ago. And then Ephesians 4, 7 to 8, it says that he's, he's gifted and graced us for it. Okay, so the third thing is this. We are prepared. Mary, um, Mary uh, was prepared to carry the greatness. See, Mary didn't say that Mary would be great. Did it? The, the text didn't say Mary would be great, in she, but the one in whom she carried would be great. There was something about the... Um, I think the, 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 the way that Mary was prepared to carry Jesus for those nine months. And it, wasn't, it, and it doesn't just stop at the nine months, does it? So there was a responsibility to, to create an environment for Jesus to be raised in. For Jesus to grow in, to grow in wisdom and stature. Mary was prepared, having heard what was, what was asked of her, she said, I'm all in. I'm all in. And I can't remember who, somebody mentioned about the um, social background. Who, I don't know here. So, absolutely. For, for, for Mary, this was, this was massive. Maybe I think that's why she went to Elizabeth's at that point. Get out of the way a little bit. Because the social stigma. Imagine trying to have to explain that. I mean, imagine having that conversation with Joseph. Oh, by the way, Joseph... Oh, yeah, good one, Mary. Like, so the, the, the impact of the call wasn't like you say yes to Jesus and everything is okay. But Mary was prepared to endure the pain, the frustration of that which was to come. Because when she said yes, be it as you have said, she knew that she was going to be in for nine months of pain. Now, I, I, it'll probably please you to know I've never been pregnant. 
all right? Because it's biologically impossible. But for those of you who've carried, I, I, I obviously walked with Rachel through the process, discomfort, the pain, the frustration, getting to, I remember Rachel saying, I'm just ready for this baby to come out now. Just ready for it. And so Mary understood what she was about to do, but her heart was prepared for it. The fourth thing is this. Um, she ordered her life. She, I, I think there's something about stewardship with this. Like you can't steward something when you're disordered. I think she had an ordered heart. I think she had an ordered heart about her devotion to God and the life in which she was about to live because she'd prepared for that in advance. That was part and parcel of her life of devotion. She had an ordered heart. When our heart's disordered, I don't think we're in a place to be able to be, uh, to be able to carry the things that God has called us to do because we will be disordered. And so having an ordered heart enables us to go, yes, God, I understand, and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do it. As stewards, not as owners. Mary was entrusted with Jesus. Not to own him, but to raise him. And at the appropriate point, release him. Because he wasn't hers. What God gives us is not ours. We're called as stewards. And if, it's, if we're disordered in what God has given us to steward, we'll never, I don't think we'll ever be able to step into the things fully that God has called us to, to participate in. So we need order. We need to steward things. We need to, uh, resources and people and vision well. When I, by the way, when I think about this, and I think about the vision that we have as OCC to see gospel, uh, one gospel community planted for every, every 130,000, uh, sorry, one gospel community planted for every 1,000 people in Stratford-on-Avon district. I think that's crazy. I think it's balmy. When I think about multiplying gospel communities, I think, God, this is, this is, in, this is too big. But I think there's something about what God has entrusted to us comes out of a sense of, of, being, of our devotion, of being graced for what God has called us to do. Because if we step out of that grace, we'll never do it. But what are we graced for? Are we prepared? There's a season of preparation. I think God's been preparing us. I do. I think there's some, some preparation to come. But this is about this moving, a moment of, of stewarding, ordering ourselves in such a way that's able to carry the growth that God will bring. Because how many of you believe that actually in the days to come, what God has birthed in us will result in growth? Believe it? With new birth. Jonathan said, like, is it two or, th two or three years ago, Jonathan came through to faith. His first encounter with us, I think, was came, came to what we, when we used to call them connect groups. I came to our connect group petrified. Like, who, who am I going to meet? <laughs> what's it going to be like? And he actually found out they weren't actually all that normal anyway. So, you know, um, but it, there was an access point. There we believe that actually through homes, that God and what God's birthing in you, in me, Jonathan and others like him will just be the first of many, the Antonys of this world, the Eckers of this world, the Toms of this world, the Riches of this world, the Andes of this world. You put all the different names of people that you know, like what, what could happen 
if, if we believed the things that God has called us to and not be afraid. Not be afraid. With a holy boldness. And I'm going, I'm going over time. What did I get up to? Four. Five. Aligned. Okay. So Mary aligned her heart. The angel said to, look, about Elizabeth. Your, your relative, Elizabeth, she's pregnant. So what is, nothing is impossible. God, so Mary, what I'm asking of you, nothing is impossible. I think Mary chose to believe and align her heart with the things that God had promised and said, yes, Lord. Do we believe it? Do we believe that his purposes will still be outworked on the earth, that his, his desire that many would come to faith in him? That he's got people all over this district that he's already working on and softening their hearts. And do it there, we believe, to say, God, we, we believe it and we'll step into it. I hope so. Because I think that's about aligning our heart with his will, with his purposes, with his rescue plan. It's about us participating with his work. Finally, Mary humbled herself. She didn't say, oh, great, this is my opportunity for fame. This is my opportunity for my name to be known. She simply said, I am your servant. Be it, Lord, as you will. And through the humble posture of her heart, recognizing that the one in which she carried would be great and her name would be known. We still talk about Mary now, but it's the Jesus that she carried who we lift up and high and the one in whom we worship, the one in whom we adore, the one in whom is great, full stop. Interestingly, there's a distinction between what John would be known as and known for. So again, somebody mentioned Jesus as holy. And it simply says, he will be great. No other, no other thing necessary. He will be and is great. And so as we lift and exalt his greatness, we humble ourselves before him and we simply say, here I am, Lord, send me.